Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Okay, welcome to the Ladies Who Love Christ Ministry Podcast, available on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. We're so excited that you're here. This week, we're in session two of our Colossians Bible study. So we are going to dive right in, and we're going to go ahead and open in prayer. So Lord, I just come before you, and I thank you for all of these beautiful women. I thank you for their hearts to study your word, Lord. I thank you for their hearts to still distraction and in a very busy world, Lord, to just just silence all of the noise and to come before you and to study your word. Lord, your word is truth. It's where we learn your will. It's where we learn what you want us to know. Tonight, we're going to talk about a lot of false doctrines and things that are taking place even currently right here, right now, Lord. I pray that you just touch these women's hearts. I don't know them all personally. I don't know all of their stories personally, but you do. And you know that that there are areas that we all have, Lord, where we need to just still those distractions and come before you and to hear your truth, Lord, to hear your word. Not all of the, the thousands of voices that want to speak into our lives, Lord, but yours and yours alone. May you be glorified tonight. May Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, be glorified. May we leave this Bible study with a completely new perspective on what it means, Lord, to dig in, what reconciliation means, Lord, about the true deity and holiness of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. I pray that you show up and do what only you can do. Um, Lord, take over. Let me remain sensitive to your Holy Spirit as I lead this tonight. Um, bless these ladies, and it is in Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy name I pray. Amen. All right. So I'm letting some other gals on Zoom. Last reminder, if you jump on Zoom, please, please, please keep your devices on mute the entire time, or I will get a lot of kickback. So what I'd like you to do, if you are working from the book tonight, I want you to turn to page 21. We are going to cover the context section at the bottom of the book. Now, there's a lot of gals that are probably jumping in that do not have the book. Maybe you're not studying from the book itself. That is okay. What I want you to do is get something to take notes, and I want you to take your Bible out. My preference as the leader of LWLC is that we don't go to devices for the Word of God, although that can be convenient in certain times and places. Um, but that we go to God's word because God's word, the paper Bible does not spit back countless distractions. I want you to give your study of God's word tonight, your best, your best, your distraction free best. So pull out your Bible, get something to take notes, and you are going to be able to take a lot of notes tonight if you're not working from the book. Um, and let's dive right in. So we are going to read the context section at the bottom. If you're new here to Ladies Who Love Christ, I, I read from the book in pieces and then I teach things that I feel like I want to add to it. So right now we're reading from the book. It says, the Bible is supremely a book about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament records the preparation for his coming. The Gospels present him as God in human flesh who came into the world to save sinners. In the book of Acts, the message of salvation in Christ begins to spread throughout the entire world. But of all the teachings of Jesus Christ, no passage is more significant than Colossians 1 verses 15 through 19. Colossians 1 verses 15 through 19. That's our focal passage for this evening. This dramatic and powerful passage removes any needless doubt or confusion over Jesus's true identity. It's vital to follow a proper understanding, and it's vital for a proper understanding, I should say, of the Christian faith. 
okay? To have a true, um, clear, complete picture of Jesus's identity. Ladies, this is not just, this is not just for, uh, as Paul was writing to the church um, at Colossae, the Colossians, the Colossian church, it's not just for them. It is for us here today, now, perhaps more than ever. There's a lot of what we're going to talk about when it comes to uh, uh, misrepresentation of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight about the false doctrines that were pervasive throughout the Colossian church. There are a lot of things that you're going to see similarities right here today in 2023 running rampant in many of the churches, right, that are right here right now. So this is this is, I always say, we study the word of God in, in time, culture, and context. Here at Ladies Who Love Christ, that's how we do it. We don't cherry pick the word and slapstick the word to our life. But what we do is we study God's word to know God's will, to know God, to know his truth. And then, and only then, time, culture, context, do we apply it to what does that look like now, today, 2023, in my life. So we're going to do that tonight, and it's going to be really exciting. So much of the heresy that threatens the Colossian church, I'm still reading from the context section. I'm now on page 22, if you are following along. Much of the heresy that threatened the Colossian church revolved around the person of Christ. The heretics viewed Christ as one of many lesser spirits being emanated from God. They thought that spirit was good and matter was evil, Hence, the idea that God himself would take on an evil matter was absurd to them. Now, listen, they denied, they denied Jesus's humanity and deity. Paul meets these false ideas head on, and he defends Christ's deity and his sufficiency, his sufficiency to reconcile men to God. This was a threat to them now, ladies. This was, I mean, this was a threat to them then. It is a threat to us now. I'm working from some notes I wrote today in preparation for the study and some things that I wanted to cover with you, okay? There are things that are going around that if you are not digging deep into God's word, if you're not um, taking the time and the discipline and the effort to study God's word. You'll look at these things and you will think that they are good things. Some of us, if we're not careful, we see the name of Jesus and, and, and we love Jesus and we get excited because we see the name of Jesus and we just think because we see the name of Jesus that whatever it's attached to is, is good. And many times, ladies, many times, please listen to me. Please, please, please listen to me. Many, many, many times we are led astray in this way. You have to, as a lady who loves Christ, question everything. When somebody speaks into your life, when somebody teaches you something, when somebody talks to you about a particular matter, and this is what I love about Colossians, it's what Paul was doing to the, the Colossian church. He was, he was educating them on all of these false doctrines that were pervasive, right? You, as a lady who loves Christ, have to understand, please listen to me as we, as we lead into tonight's material. You have to understand that in a world with multiple technolo uh, technological devices and thousands upon thousands of voices and ads and agendas and thoughts, being literally infiltrated into your mind. You as a lady who loves Christ have got to learn how to filter everything, question everything that is being spoken into your life. It's why it's important that we do not show up, that we do not show up and just be a Sunday Christian. It's why it's important that we don't just show up and say, I did my checkbox for the week and I showed up to church, but that we make our study of God's word and we make our love for God so pervasive in every area of our life that we cannot go a day without studying his truth. 
So many people have countless books and materials on understanding the will of God. Let me challenge you here tonight, February 13th of 2023. If you want to know the will of God, you need to know God's word. We are being led astray, just as Paul so vehemently was talking to the Colossians, right? And he was urging them and he was encouraging them and urging them to turn from false doctrines. We've got to learn. We've got to learn how to do this. Take, for example, it's not going to be a big dialogue going back, back and forth, but take, for example, the He Gets Us campaign. If any of you watch football, I don't own a television. I haven't had a television in over 20 years, close to 20 years, a long time. But if you watch football, you would have seen that he gets us campaign. And please don't take this wrong, but some of you may have been excited about that campaign because you're excited to see the name of Jesus proclaimed on national television. But let me tell you, if you look deeper, if you research deeper, you start to see things that are spoken into your life that don't line up, that don't measure up with the Jesus of the Bible. When you water down the gospel, when you water down Jesus Christ, as this campaign, I will just, in a nutshell, tell you, <laughs> does. It's an unpopular opinion here for some of y'all, maybe, or an unpopular uh, thing. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But you've got to learn how to question everything. To share Christ as a mere good man. To share Christ as a mere human out for social justice. To share him and to literally take the holiness and the deity of Jesus Christ. God in human form, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. To do that to the precious and holy name of Jesus. That's blasphemy. That's what you call blasphemy. When you do that apart from sharing his holiness and his complete sufficiency to reconcile all men to God, it's not to tell the truth of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're new here tonight. One thing that I'm gonna plug if our girls are here and they've been here a while, they know this, but maybe you're new and you've never heard me say it. But you, ladies, you have got to, you've got to go to God's word and question all things. When you go to God's word, listen, this is where I'm going. When you go to God's word and you read the truth in his word, and something is spoken into your life that sounds like truth, looks like truth, but it has a little bit of lie and false doctrine in it. It is no longer truth. It is no longer truth. That is a very important thing to understand. A.W. Tozer said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is, is really the most important thing about you. That's a very popular quote by him. It's the most important thing about you. But ladies, let me just, not that I'm trying to put a, a new twist on this, but let me just tell you, I would venture to say tonight that the single most important thing about you is what you think about Jesus Christ. What you think about his deity as the son of God, fully human and fully God, there since the beginning. That is the most important thing, fully sufficient. It's the most important thing. So ladies, tonight as we dive into this material, I wanted to go here and I wanted to share under that false doctrine section, I wanted to share the dire importance of you not accepting a message of Jesus Christ that just brings him down to a, a, a mere human, just like you and I. He is God. 
Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Are you buying a watered down? This is my, my question for you tonight. This is my question. Are you buying a watered down half truth of a social justice, good man? He was a good guy, Jesus. Are you buying this? This is no longer truth. It's absolutely no longer truth. We're gonna go ahead in the book, ladies, and turn. And so we're gonna parallel tonight a lot of, of the heresy in the Colossian church and the, the false doctrines and heresy that we're seeing now. Turn to keys to the text on page 22. Keys to the text on page 22. Image of the invisible God. The Greek word for image means copy or likeness. From this term, we get the English word icon referring to a statue. Jesus Christ is the perfect image, ladies. He is the perfect image, the exact likeness of God and is in the very form of God. Turn to John chapter one, verse 14. Turn to John chapter one, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. By describing Jesus in this manner, ladies, Paul emphasizes that he's fully God in every way. He is fully God in every way. Then under keys to the text, we see reconcile, the word reconcile. Now tonight, we're gonna to talk about that later in the study this evening. We're gonna talk about that more in depth. And I have some points for you to write down. It says the Greek word for reconcile means to change or to exchange. Its New Testament usage refers to a change in the sinner's relationship to God. Man is reconciled to God when God restores man to a right relationship with him, listen, through Jesus Christ. When you share Jesus and you say Jesus is a good man, Jesus was a good man, just like this He Gets Us campaign, but you fail, okay, you fail to tell them the complete truth. Scripture says the way is narrow. The way to heaven is narrow. The complete truth of Jesus Christ. He is the only way God chose him to reconcile us, the lost. You're no longer telling them the truth. Does this make sense? An intensified form for reconcile is used in this verse to refer to the local and complete reconciliation of believers and ultimately all things in the created universe. And we're going to talk about that a lot more in depth tonight. But you can basically, if you're taking notes, gals, you can write down reconcile is to change or to exchange. We are reconciled to God when God restores us to a right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He is holy. He is God. He is not just a good man that loved everybody and turned his head from sin. These are the false doctrines that are so pervasive today. That, that God is love. Jesus Jesus loves you. God is love. But there's no message of repentance of sin. There's no message. When you take and negate what Christ did for us on that cross, ladies, you've got to understand this. When you negate what he did on that cross, when you water down sin and our need for Jesus Christ, ultimately, as, as bold as this sounds, you don't only blaspheme Jesus Christ, you 
you shame what he did on the cross at Calvary. It is that serious. It is not something to be taken lightly. It is not something to be made light of. So with all of that being said, as we go into the questions tonight, we're gonna to unpack some of the questions on page 24 and 25. We're actually gonna start at the top of 25 this evening, okay? We're gonna look at this a little bit deeper. Question number three in the book, if you are working from the book, page 25, question number three. Let me make sure I have my right place in the notes here. It says twice, Paul used the word firstborn to speak of Christ. What does this term suggest? And how does this concept compare with the phrase that in all things, he may have preeminence? So what I wanna read to you, I have a printout here that I wanna read quickly. And we're gonna cover some points tonight from Hebrews, okay? The New Testament describes Christ as the firstborn several times, several times. Spiritually, Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I want you to turn to Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, verse 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Write this down all of you, because this isn't in the book tonight, but spiritually, Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We're gonna really dissect Colossians 1, um, 15 through 19 tonight. But the apostle Paul writes, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn over all creation creation. A lot of people, when they misunderstand, take that to mean that Jesus is a created being, that Jesus was created. Jesus was there since the beginning. Jesus is the, the image of the invisible God. Psalm 89 verses 27 through 29, write that down. Psalm 89 verses 27 through 29. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love for him, to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. Ladies, much like that time and that era, we we are buying, we are literally eating up and buying a false, false image of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pause here for a moment. It wasn't in my notes to do this, but I'm gonna pause here and I want to ask you, and you can comment if you want because we love dialogue, we love that, but you don't have to engage and comment if you're not comfortable. Are you? As a lady who loves Christ, are you allowing all of the voices, all of the people with big followings, all of the, the and they don't just have to be celebrity. They don't have to be well-known names these days with social media. Are you following all of the influencers that are just literally soaking your mind and your heart with their thoughts of who Jesus is? Are you going to God's word on, you, on your own? Are you studying his word to know his truth? It's so vital because ladies, you will buy, listen to me, you will buy a false image of Jesus Christ if you're allowing everybody else to tell you who he is and you're not going to his word himself to, to know, to learn, the truth of who he is. It's so important. It's so important because I see people, well-meaning people that celebrate, that are jumping for joy over things that literally break Jesus's heart. They are buying a false 
image of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He's there since the beginning. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the triune God. You will not see triune in scripture, but you see God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is the firstborn. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings on the earth. He will sit at the right hand, the right hand. When you talk about the right hand back in the days of kings, the person that sat at the right hand of the king, that was the most prominent position. It was the most prominent placement. First place in position or rank. Listen to me. First place in position or rank firstborn, first place in our lives, in all things, in all things, not some things, in all things. Ladies, Jesus existed before creation. He wasn't created. He existed before creation. And he is exalted in rank far above it. Again, as A.W. Tozer said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. What you think about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Are you buying lies? Are you buying false doctrine? Are you watering down sin and calling it good under the name of love? And at the same time, as you water down sin and call it love, you are blaspheming a holy and a righteous God. And you're saying, you are saying, would you do that? Listen to me, it's not in my notes. You are saying that there is no need for Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that there is no need for the cross and that there is no need for his blood shed at Calvary. That is what you say, whether you mean to or not. So the same urgency that Paul was speaking to the Colossians with if he was sitting right here, right now, right here, he'd be speaking with that same urgency, that same urgency for what is happening right now in our world, what's happening in our world. One other thing I want to read here before we talk about some points from Hebrews, and it's, it's a point of clarification for you gals. Firstborn in relation to Jesus, write this down. Firstborn does not suggest that he is created. Write it down. Firstborn does not suggest that he is created. The son of God has existed for all of eternity. Write it. The son of God has existed for all of eternity. Along with the father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is fully God. You've heard fully God and fully man. He is fully God who took on human flesh so that he could become our savior to serve as a mediator between humankind and God. And that's what we're going to talk about. He served as a mediator between humankind and God. Reconcile, right? Reconciliation through Jesus. When scripture refers to Christ as the firstborn, the message, this is the message, that his supremacy and that his sovereignty and that his priority extend over all things, over all things, write it down. Jesus says supremacy, his sovereignty, that means he's in full and complete control. His sovereignty, he's in full and complete control. And his priority extend over all things and above all things. There is no other name by which a man can be saved. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, not the watered down social justice Jesus, but God himself, ladies. 
God himself. We're still diving deep into some points on question three from the book. I'd like you to take a moment and I'm gonna give you some time to get there and turn to Hebrews chapter one. We're gonna unpack some points on Jesus Christ being the firstborn. Turn to Hebrews chapter one and I'm gonna get there myself. Give me a second. I'll get some tea. Hebrews chapter one. I want to read it to you. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Verse two, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. When you share Jesus, when you share Jesus, if you're falling asleep on the other side of the screen, I'm going to say it again. Just make sure you're awake. When you share Jesus, this is the Jesus you share. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, listen to this, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When you say Jesus loves you, period, end of story, and you don't tell them the truth about sin and our need for reconciliation, you are lying to them. You are giving them a, a half-truth that's no longer truth. It's a lie now. You've made it a lie. He sat down at the right hand, the most prominent place, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is who Jesus is. Why am I nailing it in so much tonight? Why am I being so repetitive tonight? Because I talk to people all the time, people that show up, people that give me hugs on Sunday, people that say hi, people that I know, and they don't know who Jesus is. Why do they not know? Because they're letting the world, come on, listen to me. They're letting the world tell them who Jesus is. They're letting the world tell them who Jesus is. And they're not going to God's word to find out who Jesus really is. He's the image of the invisible God. So I want a focal passage. It's not in the book tonight, this week for you to be Hebrews chapter one and get ready to write down some points from that. They're not in the book. Get ready to write down these points. Christ is the heir of all things, the, mo the most prominent emplacement, firstborn. He's the heir of all things. That's Hebrews 1, 2. He's God's firstborn into the world. Hebrews 1, 6. He's God's firstborn into the world. Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. Let all God's angels worship him. Ladies, let all of us worship him. Let all of us recognize his sovereignty and his holiness and his righteousness. He is God. The second point was God's firstborn into the world. This is who Jesus is. This is the firstborn. The third point. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ, the church. He is the head of the church. You see, today, when, when, you, when you read that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but then you have churches that take down the cross because they don't want to offend the sinners walking into the churches. The church of uh, the, the, the 
the uh, cross of Christ, not the church, the cross of Christ is offensive. It's offensive because it confronts head on, like a freight train, our sin and our inability to reconcile ourselves to a holy and a righteous God. But our churches water it down. They cover the cross. They take the cross out. They try to make the church look hip, feel cool, and people decide where they're going to go and get their eternal, uh, eternal um, uh, uh, messages from the word of God. They go and they decide based on how cool the music is, how hip the music is, how great the children's program is. And nobody questions the, the message being preached from the stage. No one questions that. They just take it all in because they're in the cool place. They're in the cool place. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ, the church. When you walk into a church, you should hear sound doctrine preached from the stage. You should not be in a place that affirms things that scripture calls sin. There are mega pastors here in Atlanta. You don't need to look far. I'm not going to name names, but I'm pretty sure all of you guys can say it yourself. You know who I'm talking about here mega church pastors that stand up and water down the scriptures. Are you in a doctrinally sound church? Are you in a place that is preaching and teaching the truth, the entire truth, not a partial truth, the entire truth of who Jesus Christ is. He is the image of the invisible God there since the beginning. Firstborn, not in the sense that he was created, firstborn in placement, firstborn in righteousness at the right hand, the most prominent place of Jesus Christ, of God, Jesus Christ. He's at the right hand of God. And you know what scripture says? It says he intercedes for us. He is the head of the body of Christ, the church. Write it down in case I went off a little bit too much. You can never go off too much. We're gonna turn to Colossians 1, verse 18. And if I'm going off too much for y'all, sorry, this is it. This is the best I got. Colossians 1. Verse 18, this whole passage in, in verses 15 through 19, this entire passage is about the centrality of Jesus Christ. It's about the centrality of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. That's referencing his resurrection, ladies. That's referencing Jesus's resurrection. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Does he have first place in your life? Because if you are not becoming a student, listen, if you're not becoming a student of the scriptures, if you're not going to God's word and questioning everything, if you're showing up for a little bit of spoon-fed Sunday Christian jam, if that's all you're doing, you will be led astray. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will be led astray because the truth comes sounding so much like truth that people eat it up and it's not truth. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter one. <sighs> Ephesians chapter one, verses 20 and 23, uh, verses 20 through 23. God's power in Christ. Listen to this, ladies. God's power in Christ. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, the place of authority, the place of prominence, the first place, right? Far above every ruler and authority, far above every power and dominion, far above every title given, okay? Not only, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything. He subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in all ways. His name is Jesus. 
right now, right here in your homes. If somebody's around, sorry, not sorry, say it. His name is Jesus. This is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. He, firstborn, is in that place of prominence and position. Prominence and position. We're going to move on now. So we really dissected what firstborn means. And we went to the passages. And there's so many more. But we went to some passages of scripture that talk about the holiness and the righteousness and the placement of Jesus. Are you, are you, how, how's a good way to put this? I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied. Are you um, accepting the world's definition of Jesus? Are you buying the world's definition of Jesus? Or are you fully understanding of the Jesus Christ, of the gospel, the good news, the Messiah, the anointed one? Are you accepting the world's Jesus or are you accepting the Jesus of scripture? Ladies, listen to me. It's not in my notes. We're moving on. I promise you I'll have you done on time. I will have you done on time. When you accept, listen to me, when you accept the world's rendition, the world's definition, the world's version of Jesus. It's easy. It feels good. It feels good. It's easy. Why? Because everyone's doing it. It's the easy way. You don't have to put in the discipline of study. You don't have to put in the discipline of effort. You just go with the flow like sheep. You just walk in one direction. You don't question anything. That is the easy way. The hard way is recognizing the true Jesus of the scriptures, the true Jesus of the gospel, the holy one, the image of the invisible God who sits at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf, the one who took our stripes and bore the stripes for us that were meant for us, for our sins, the same sins that we dumb down, the same sins that we celebrate, those sins, when you do that, you blaspheme him. That is what we do. And maybe we don't mean to, but what does this mean? It means that to accept the real Jesus of the gospel, you may have to do some hard things. I've done many recently, very recently, hard things. You will have to walk away from things. You will have to walk away from people. You will have to walk away from places. You will have to walk away from jobs. You may have to walk away from credentials and accolades. And you know what? I'm going to say it. You may have to walk away from money, but anything considered, anything that you give up on account of Jesus Christ, just like Paul said, it is a gain, but it is not the easy way here in 2023. It is not the easy way. I pour my heart out here and sound borderline crazy, and I'm shaking because I want you gals to understand the dire nature of this. This is not child's play. This is not a game. This is our eternity, and it's the eternity of those that we come into contact with. And how can we disciple if we cannot disciple ourselves? How can we minister of Jesus Christ if we cannot minister and we don't even know when we're eating up and chewing and swallowing and intaking false doctrine? This is what Paul was talking to, to the Colossians. He was talking to that dire urgency of it. I'm so tired of the celebrity version of Jesus. I'm so tired of all of the reels singing the ridiculous songs, okay? In the name of Jesus Christ, really it's in the name to gain followers. You will lose people on account of Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised by it. Just don't. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. You may have to walk away. You may have to walk away from a place that you've been attending for worship. You may have to walk away from a group of friends that you've been sp spending time with. It is not easy because when you define Jesus, I'm going off. Listen, 
when you define the Jesus of the gospel, when you define the Jesus who is the image of the invisible God, when you define the Jesus that is the only way that can reconcile us to God himself, when you define that Jesus, the world will hate you. The world will hate you. The world will slander you. Don't be surprised by it. Be ready for it. Go to Ephesians 6 and read about armoring up. Read about putting on the full armor of God. Get in God's word. Make a discipline and a study of his word. Don't believe what everybody wants to tell you about Jesus. You go to God's word yourself. And with everything in me, you make sure that you are in a place of worship that is proclaiming the full gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is. Old Testament to new. It's like some mega church pastors, the same ones that love to, to talk about those sins. They say you can discount the Old Testament from the new, and it's simply not true. Number four, what is reconciliation? I'm going to breeze through this because I just went off. But you know what? It was so important. It is so important. It's a reminder to me too, ladies. It's a reminder to me too. Recon reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship to a harmonious state after a dispute. You're going to see where I'm going with this. Write it down. This is what Christian reconciliation is. Christian reconciliation is the work of God through Christ by which he restores mankind to a favorable relationship with himself. Christian reconciliation, I'm going to read it again. This will also be up on our YouTube page and our podcast. It is the work of God through Christ by which he restores mankind to a favorable relationship with himself through Christ. I'm going to say it again, through Christ. That reconciliation is through Christ. When you make him nothing other than a cool thing to do, you water down that same Christ, that same Jesus that restored us to God himself. It's vital that you girls get serious about your walk with Jesus. It's vital. It's vital that you don't go the hip way, the cool way, to the cool church, to the cool pastor that everybody knows, to this, to that. Stop following people, start following Jesus. Stop following people, start following Jesus. Here are some quick points. They're not in the book. It's just things I, I researched and brought out for tonight. Give me a second, I'm losing my voice. And every single week I say, I'm not going to do that. And I do that. <clears throat> Number one, points on reconciliation. Reconciliation involves change. Reconciliation involves change. In Christian reconciliation, God does not change. He remains perfect, but he changes us. God is perfect. There is, there is, he, he is, he is flawless. There is no blemish. There is no tarnish. He is absolute perfection. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13, 8. Write it down. It involves change. He doesn't change because he's perfect, but he changes us. When you come into the study of his word. When you allow God's word to dictate your life and your decisions and not the world. Why, why do I keep saying the world, the world, the world? Because ladies, I have my personal phone here. This is the phone that when I, my other one's like gonna implode, I take this little guy and like three people in the world have the number, it's the best thing ever. I take this, right? But these little devices speak into our heads and we, we just look at it and we let whatever come in, all oh, the garbage, all the garbage, all the garbage. And then, and then we say, we don't have time for God's word. We don't have time for Bible study. You know what? We have travel ball. We don't have time to go to church this weekend to be, to be fed spiritually. If you're feeling a little bit offended, I'm sorry, not sorry, right? These are the things that we're making priority. 
These devices speak into our lives and minds more than we let God's word speak into our hearts and change us. Reconciliation involves change, but that change only comes when you're entrenched in God's word and God's truth. And the more you do that, the more you do that, the more you're going to recognize the things that sounded so close to truth, so close to truth. And you're going to recognize the false doctrines. You're going to recognize the false directions, even from really good, well-meaning people that you love. You're going to recognize these things as you come into the study of God's word. Number two, this is the second point about reconciliation. Number two, God used his own son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us to himself. God used his own son there since the beginning, before creation. God used his own son to reconcile us to himself. Write down 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. God was reconciling us. We were lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. There was no way for us. He made a way. He bridged the gap through Jesus Christ. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. Listen to that. Not counting men's sins against them. But yet we want to, we want to mold and we want to manipulate and we want to contort and we want to twist and we want to throw out some of God's word. We want to keep what we like. We want to dispel and reject what we don't like. We want to take out the cross. We want to celebrate the sins. We want to do all of these things. You're following, you're following the way of the enemy. You're following the devil. You're following Satan. Ladies, I'm sorry if I lose people. Sorry, not sorry. When you follow those lies, you stand in agreement with the enemy, okay? You need to know the truth, the entirety of who Jesus Christ is. Our eternity and the eternity of those around us absolutely and utterly and completely relies on that. Romans 5.10. Write it down. Romans 5.10. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. While we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, ladies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. You may not even realize this is why I'm so emphatic. I don't do this on purpose. It just, it just, it's this is there. This is just me. It's why I'm so emphatic. It's why it's so important that we understand you may, you may water down Jesus unknowingly because you're not going to his word, because you're allowing yourself to be busy all the time because you're allowing distraction to crowd him out, because you're buying the false Jesus of this world, because you get more excited about following the person than following the savior. May we tonight lay that garbage down and get more excited about following the savior than following this world. And you remember what I told you, anything lost on account of Jesus Christ is a gain. Anything lost, anything lost, the fact that we need reconciliation means that our relationship with God was broken. When, when, we, when we water all these truths down, we water down the cross, we literally blasphemy God to his face. Listen to this. We literally blasphemy God to his face. He gave us Jesus to reconcile us to himself. The fact that we need that reconciliation means that our relationship with God was broken. These are the truths that aren't being shared. There's the celebrate with Jesus. He's the cool guy. He loves all the people everybody else hates in the church. Gonna make everyone in the church look bad, right? God help this world if you remove the churches, the good churches, the biblically sound churches, the doctrinally sound churches. But this is the Jesus. He's the cool Jesus that loves everybody. 
everybody. Yeah, high five, fist bump. But I'm not going to tell you the truth about your sin and your need to be reconciled to a holy and righteous God. That's not love. That's not love. That kind of, of heresy, that kind of heresy, that's the wide way. That's not the narrow way. That's the way that sends people to hell. I mean, I mean, I know this sounds like a fire and brimstone, but I'm just teaching and telling y'all the truth. I'm telling you the truth. God is holy. He's holy. We were the ones to blame. Our sin, our sin is what alienated us from a holy and a righteous God. Please understand and get this. This is what's not being taught today. Our sin is what alienated us from him. Write this, write this down. Write this down because this is it. This is everything. It is everything. Jesus' death on the cross is our absolute basis of forgiveness and justification. Jesus' death on the cross. When you preach and teach this Jesus, this is what the world will reject. It's what the world will hate in you. His death on the cross is our absolute basis for forgiveness. When you celebrate sin and you dance around sin and we tiptoe around all types of sins, all of the sins, when we do this, we water down and make a blasphemy of what Jesus Christ did on that cross at Calvary for us. It is by grace, charis, the Greek word, C-H-A-R-I-S, favor. It is by grace, grace, favor. It is by grace through faith that God remakes us into the image of Christ. It is by grace through faith that God remakes us into the image of Jesus Christ. God and man are brought together. It's not done by watering down the word. Jesus doesn't need your help. Oh my gosh, spoiler alert here for somebody on the other side of that screen. Jesus does not need your help. It is done. It is finished. Reconciliation through Christ and Christ alone. May we never, the ladies here, the ladies that are on Facebook, the ladies that are on Zoom, may we never water down the cross. May we never water down the gospel. May we filter everything. May we question everything. May we stop looking at our devices and letting a million voices speak into our minds. May we shut those phones off, put them in the room, hide them under the pillow, put them in the car, do whatever you have to do, open God's word, and may we study the gospel, the good news, get alone with him in that quiet place, recognize, feel the weight of what Jesus Christ did for us. The image of the invisible God, there before creation, the Messiah, the Holy One, the one, the only one, the only one from whom we can obtain forgiveness. Let your lives literally change. Turn, turn, turn from the garbage, turn from the media, turn from the social media, turn, 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 and run full on to Jesus. And it's going to hurt sometimes because you're going to have to leave places and leave things and leave people. Run to the arms of Jesus. We are now no longer enemies or powerless. This is the truth that Satan fights to keep us from understanding. This is the truth that he fights to keep us understanding that through Christ, through his gift on that cross, through what he did for us, we are now no longer enemies or powerless. God reconciled us to himself through the blood shed of Jesus. The image, the image, the image of the invisible God. Instead, the love of God's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The one unpardonable sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
This is why, ladies, and I'm ending. I'm ending. So just hang with me. I'm almost done. This is why. This is why you cannot mesh Jesus with acceptance of sin. They don't go together. When Jesus sat down, did he love the sinner? My goodness, did he love the sinner? But he went to the heart of their sin, just like the woman at the well that ran and said, let me show you the man that, that told me everything I ever did. He confronted the heart of sin. He confronted their deepest and dire needs and they turned, they did an about face, they repented, they went the other way. Ladies, in conclusion, because I've got to finish, I've got to finish, I've got to finish. In conclusion, you need to understand this. If you follow this way, it is the narrow way. It is the narrow way. It is the narrow way. It is the way that you will be swimming upstream when 95 point, I mean, 99.999% of people are swimming the other way. You're going to be swimming upstream. Run to Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus of the gospel. You do that through discipline. Write it down. Write it down and I'm finishing. You do this through discipline. You discipline yourself to study his word. We didn't get into the next question about steadfastness and perseverance. But if you don't discipline yourself in the study of God's word, you're going to be shaky and you're going to crumble and you're going to eat up false doctrine. Be disciplined in the study of God's word. Be disciplined in your life. You're going to have to give up things in your home that you may like. Maybe it's things that don't stand in agreement with Christ and with his way. You're going to have to turn and go the other way. Get in his word. Make sure that you're in a doctrinally sound, theologically sound, doctrinally sound church. You cannot spend your life hanging around nothing but heathens and think you're going to be the one to change them because guess what? They're going to be the ones to change you. Yes, we need to get equipped in God's word to go out into this dry and parched world and share the love of Christ, but you may have to change the circle you're hanging with. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. It may be a seemingly good looking thing but all of a sudden you're sitting there and you realize that you're not in a place that is truly 110% from every angle, every way, all day, sharing the exact Jesus of the gospel. I don't know what that is for you gals, but I know this and listen, and I'm ending. I know this, I know this. It is why I'm sitting here sweating, telling you this. We are in a sifting right now. And that sifting is not just between the world and believers. That sifting is within the body of Christ. This, this sifting is happening within our churches. You need the true meat of God's word. The true meat. Not all the bright, not all the flashy, not all the cool, not all the hip. The true simplicity of God's word. The simplicity of going to his word and stilling out those distractions. It is time that we get serious about our walk. Next level serious. And as much as I can, I am committed. I am fully committed to helping lead you gals. As much as God will allow me, I stand so humbled at the things that he does. But I see so many people that I love just buying this false watered down gospel in Jesus. Let us not do that. Let us not do that. There's no other name by which a man can be saved. When you share Christ, you share the truth of our dire need for him and our need to be reconciled to God. We share the whole truth, right? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. We share the whole truth. And some people will listen and some people will hate you and you will lose things. 
But I promise you this, ladies, not one word, Old Testament to New, Genesis to Revelation, not one word in this precious gospel of Jesus is false. Not one. Go to his word. The way is narrow. The way is narrow. Then, then, and only then will we be able to go that narrow way and hear, job well done, good and faithful servant. Job well done, good and faithful servant. That's, I live for that. Lord, I thank you for what you did here tonight. I thank you for these women. I thank you that when I feel so, so ill-equipped, so ill-equipped, you show up every time, Lord. I love you so much. And I pray that these women turn. If they need to turn, that they turn and they run back to you. The real you, the Jesus of the gospel, the image of the invisible God there since the beginning of creation. There when, when, when this earth and, and this world was spoke into order there. The Jesus that reconciled us, Jesus Christ, Lord, that reconciled us to God when we were dead in our trespasses, broken. There was nothing we could do. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, literally right now in this moment, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us. It's amazing that even, even while we were enemies, that you did that for us. Let these women start to make a discipline and a study of your word. And then go out into this world and properly and effectively, properly and effectively disciple people because they know your word. They're not just taking in, taking in the thousands of voices that want to speak false doctrine into their lives. A lot of really good, well-meaning people, Lord, are being led astray. Let that change, starting with the women here tonight and their hunger for you and their hunger for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you did. I thank you for the precious, precious gift of Jesus Christ and his bloodshed on Calvary to reconcile us. Let us leave changed with this knowledge, truly changed. It's in Jesus' beautiful, precious, and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen.